0: I'm Drake. And welcome to Backstage Biddies, a podcast where two theater nerds discuss our love and sometimes hate of movie musicals. From Golden Age to Disney to Contemporary, we'll recap and review all things movie musical.
1: Join us as we scrutinize Hollywood casting, dive into the history of all your faves, and gossip about controversies of the stage and screen. Press play and sing along because this, this is Backstage Biddies. Hey, what would your Spice Girls name be?
0: Oh. Oh. (laughs) That's a good question. It is a good question. That's a good question. Um. I don't know.
1: I feel like mine would be something really gay, like Sparkly Spice.
0: Sparkly Spice? Yeah. I mean, my knee-jerk reaction was Cunty Spice, but I don't...
1: (laughs) It's going to be hard to put on a t-shirt. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, or uh, I don't know, like Dick Spice.
0: Dick Spice? Yeah. It sounds like seasoning that you put on a penis. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Exactly
1: that. I'm glad that's what you got out of it because that's what I meant by it.
0: Well, listen, know your branding and lean in, I guess.
1: Yeah, right? But I feel like sparkly spice covers like a lot of facets of my personality. You're right. The flamboyant part, the show choir part, the musical theater part. That's all of them.
0: The costume part.
1: That's yeah. That's, yeah. Those, yeah. that's every facet of me. Sparkly, sparkly spice. <laughs> sparkly spice. What about you? Not cunty spice. You not, have to pick something else. Not cunty spice. Not cunty <laughs> spice.
0: Um, what am I?
1: What would dick spice taste like?
0: I don't know why, but the thing that popped in my head was like, like Lari seasoning.
1: Okay. Like a chicken rub?
0: Like seasoned salt, like some kind of like meat rub.
1: Yeah. Like an orange salt. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think I agree. that, um, I, you my could head market it's
0: like a... this at pride.
1: <laughs> in my head, it's like, uh, like the flavor of like chorizo, mm. but in like a seasoning. Hmm. Yeah.
0: Okay. Dick Spice. Dick Spice. Sparkly right. Dick
1: Spice. <laughs>
0: Sparkly Dick Spice. Well. I don't know. You give me one. Give me one. I'm um, terrible with these things. You know that.
1: I don't know. Titty Spice.
0: Titty Spice. Wow. All right. Don't we go, could go for in... any of my personality. <laughs> don't go for
1: just... Come on. We could go in together. Titty and Dick? Yeah. yeah. We could have a whole brand.
0: We could. And we could release... Um, an extra fun one called Cunty Spice.
1: Yeah, a seasonal flavor.
0: A seasonal flavor.
1: (laughs) What does Titty Spice taste like?
0: Titty Spice? Um, sweet.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, it's got to be the sweet, the sweet counterpart to... Dick Spice. Savory Dick Spice.
0: Yeah. Yeah. You can put it on, like, popcorn and... Yeah. Things like that.
1: Like, uh, you know what flavor is, like, kind of weird and commercially viable right now? Huh. The, like, um... Like the, the Lucky Charms marshmallows, uh-huh. but like ground up into a powder. Yeah. It's like a generic, like, caramelly, vanilla-y, marshmallowy sweet flavor.
0: My boobs are very much so like marshmallows.
1: Well, there you go. Is, I am
0: very, very white.
1: <laughs> well, there you go. I think we've just nailed it. There we go. TM, TM, TM. No one take that. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to copyright these spices. Yeah. And then we can go on tour with our own musical group. Yeah. 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 All right.
0: I think this is perfect.
1: I'm into it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Oh my God. All right. (laughs) What's the hint? What would ass spice be?
1: I don't want to talk about this.
0: All right, cool. So the hint is... No, it's going
1: to be like a cinnamony cherry merlot flavor. Like a cinnamon cherry flavor. Yeah. That's what ass spice is.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. What's the hint? I hate it here. Um, <laughs> uh, the hint is um, <laughs> Fania Borich.
1: What does any of that mean?
0: Fania Borich. Um, this is actually the actress that the original book for the musical was based off of. Okay. And her stage name. Okay was Fanny Bryce.
1: Oh, we're doing Funny Girl.
0: We're doing Funny Girl, kids.
1: Woo!
0: Yes, and um, before, this was a movie.
1: It was a musical. Yes, indeed. So this had kind of a weird history. It was technically a book first. It Yeah, it was. It was technically a book. I think it's also been a play. But we're talking about Funny Girl. Uh, it was produced by Fanny Bryce's son-in-law, Roy Stark.
0: He also had a hand in the movie.
1: He did. A lot of people from the, the original musical had a hand in the movie, which I think is super cool on like a production side and not just a performer's side. So um, it was originally commissioned uh, as a biography, like a book, but Stark hated it so much that he spent $50,000 to stop the publication. The original title was "The Fabulous Fanny," and he thought it was such uh, an incorrect portrayal of his mother-in-law that he he shucked out a ton of money and was like, "We're not doing it this way."
0: Because the original Fanny Bryce, um, which all this is loosely based on, became the headliner for Florence Ziegfeld's Follies in 1910, and then came back in 1921 and ran as the headliner through the 30s.
1: Yeah, yeah, famous, famous lady. Um, she had left a bunch of dictated recordings for Stark. And that was kind of the basis for all of these projects. And so he had this material and he was like, we're going to spin this. We're going to tell her story. And he kept trying to do it in different ways. And the biography flopped. He was like, not that. We're not doing that. There were a handful of other people involved in the project. Um, it boiled down to, at the end, Julie Stein working on the score, Bob Merrill doing the lyrics, and Isabel Leonard writing the book. We know Stein from projects like Gypsy and Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. Um, she's done a lot of really popular, swingy stuff. Um, Merrill we know from more eccentric, um, cerebral projects like Breakfast at Tiffany's and The Red Shoes and Carnival. Um, he he preferred things that were on a little bit on the more intellectual side, things that made you think just a little bit harder, uh, and then. Leonard, who did the book, um, was actually a member of the Communist Party on and off through the 30s and 40s. Um, and she wrote a project called My Man, which is what eventually led to uh, Funny Girl. This was after 10 other people had failed at adapting the project. And finally, Leonard brought My Man to Stark, and he said, That's it. This works. This has the pieces that we need. So this came to Broadway in 1964, came to the West End in 1966, and again, it had a really wide group of people kind of involved in getting it there. So Sondheim was approached about the project, um, but he refused to work on it because Mary Martin, who was signed on to play Fanny at the time, wasn't Jewish. We know Mary Martin from, like, famously uh, uh, Peter Pan is the one a lot of people know her from, Um, but she she was a really bright starlet at the time. She wasn't Jewish, though. After that, Anne Bancroft was offered the book um, if she would play Fanny. She was on board until uh, Merrill was brought on to the project, and she had a prior disagreement with him, so she stepped away. Edie Gourmet was approached after that, but she would only sign on if her husband was cast as Nicky Arnstein. They didn't think he was right for the role, so she was passed up. Carol Burnett was approached about the project, but again, she was like, no, no, you guys need a Jewish girl. I'm not Jewish. There were lots of other creatives. Jerome Robbins was on as director. He stepped away, and then Bob Fosse stepped on. He was only there for a couple of months, and then he went away. Finally, Garson Kanan was brought on as director. This was the last decision that Merrick would leave, would uh, have as a producer before he left. He was working alongside Stark. Kanan and Streisand butted heads a ton, and he was almost pulled from the project as well because he wanted to cut the song uh, People, from the show
0: which is asinine because it's one of the most famous numbers from this show right
1: it's one of the more memorable numbers a fan favorite to say the least yeah and Streisand heard that he was gonna cut the number and she was like absolutely not can this guy I want I think it was Robbins was the one that she was, she really liked and uh, and she was like bring Jerome Robbins back I'm not working with Kanan he has no idea what he's doing he has a, a completely false vision of what this should look like. And so they really argued about it. And um, and this project actually pushed back its opening date on Broadway like six times.
0: Jesus.
1: Yeah, it had a hard time getting there. And they had two full out-of-town try, uh, tryouts. And they reworked it and they reworked it. And people turned out to be a real crowd pleaser. And it got like a standing ovation after its first uh, first preview after that number. And um, and so finally Kanan folded and was like, you were right people really love this song. We're going to keep it. And so they were able to continue working together. Robbins did eventually come back to the project, um, to oversee, I think it was choreography he came back to work on. So uh, just a huge revolving door of creatives and leading actresses and all kinds of folks in and out of the project. Uh, it was nominated for eight Tony awards, although it did not win any. It was nominated for best musical, all four acting categories, choreography, Um, composer-lyricist, and producer. It was not nominated for any Olivier's the year it premiered on the West End, which I thought was crazy because it was a really big success here. People really liked this one. But it was not nominated for any Olivier's until the 2016 revival. Um, It received two nominations, but no wins. The latest revival here in the States, the 2021 revival or 22 revival? 22 revival. Um, starred Beanie Feldstein. Um, It was super big news. It was a plus-size actress. We were bringing Fanny back to Broadway. People were thrilled about it, putting a bit of shine and polish on an old classic um, and not really upcycling it in any kind of politically charged way, which I think was a big selling point for folks because obviously going into the pandemic and with the election cycle of uh, 2016 and 2022, everything has been politicized to such a degree that people were really chomping at the bit for a bit of like romanticized escapism. And so I think Fanny really fit that bill. And Funny Girl was the big ticket to kind of have a night at the theater where you didn't have to think about that. And like I said, it was absolutely steeped in controversy. There were lawsuits, there were um, casting questions. People were very concerned that Beanie Feldstein didn't have the vocal chops for it, which is untrue. Um, And we're not going to talk about it like it was. She's a brilliant singer. She's an insanely funny comedian. And she did a great job. I have never seen a clip of Beanie Feldstein in Funny Girl where I was like, oh no, I kind of get it. Anytime I've seen videos of it, I'm like, wow, Beanie knocked it out of the park and like reinvented Fanny Bryce, which is (laughs) notoriously difficult to do because you have to somehow like, you have to somehow equate Barbara Streisand and bring something new at the same time, which is uh, what a sentence to say out loud.
0: I mean, right? Yeah, it's no small task,
1: right? But Beanie absolutely did it. She was fantastic, and um, and then of course it was announced that she was leaving the show, and we found out Leah Michelle was going to be stepping in. We're not going to talk about this in depth, but there was a controversy about that, and beanie ended up leaving the show early and was that because she wanted to have a one-up on producers and she made the announcement herself so did she find out leah was replacing her and and decided to to pull out because of that and there are opinions from jane lynch about who was playing um who was playing oh i'm gonna forget her name
0: her mom her mother yes yeah yeah Um, rose bryce
1: there were uh headlines about you know uh Jane Lynch's opinions on her previous co-star, Leah Michelle being in the show and what that meant and yada, yada, yada. And was Leah Michelle actually Jewish? And, or is she half Jewish? Or is she? Who cares? Let's talk about Julie Benko.
0: Oh my God. You sent me a clip of her singing.
1: Yeah, because she's phenomenal. People.
0: And I isn't, cried.
1: Isn't it breathtaking? Damn. She's incredible. So Julie Benko is, was the understudy for Beanie Feldstein and Beanie was in and out of the show. She had other projects, you know. Julie uh, Julie Benko was a particularly involved understudy. And when Beanie Feldstein announced her leaving the show early, Julie got the chance to step in and play Fanny Bryce regularly, and she still does. As Leah Michelle has been struggling with being on set consistently, and she's been out sick, I think, twice now for like week long periods or even more than that. Um, Right at the end of the year, Julie Benko played Fanny Bryce for, like, the last, like, five or six days of the year, kind of unexpectedly. She had, like, a full week of Funny Girl. Um, She's incredibly talented. She's incredibly charismatic. She's a young Jewish woman. She's got a strong head on her shoulders, and I love her. Ugh. If we're going to talk about anything when it comes to the Broadway revival of this show, it absolutely needs to be Julie. She's a starlet, and I can't wait to see what she does next
0: very jazzed about it it, it oh oh ooh. you guys should go find a clip it's she's stunning. very talented yes
1: i mean she's and she's so off the cuff funny and her sincere moments in the show like i watched uh, a clip of her final moments um in the reprise of a funny girl at the end because they don't sing my man at the end of the show um i believe that was written for the movie
0: I don't, um, I don't think
1: it's in the original production either. So
0: My Man is actually a famous song that the real-life Fanny
1: Bryce sang. Oh, okay. And they tacked it on for the movie. Mm. Um, this, So they don't do it at the end of the musical. She sings a reprise of Funny Girl, and that kind of ends the show. And it's so breathtakingly moving. Benko's rendition of that reprise is devastating. Mm. It's so good. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so Barbra Streisand played her uh, in in the original musical as well, um, and the enthusiasm led to a movie in a pretty quick turnaround.
0: Yeah, it did. So um, the film was released September eighteenth, nineteen sixty eight. It was directed
1: sixty eight. Sixty eight. Oh my gosh, so this had a really fast turnaround. Yeah,
0: like lightning.
1: Wow. Um,
0: this was directed by William Wyler. Screenplay by Isabel Lehnert
1: leonard yes
0: yes um cinematogra- who again
1: wrote the book for the musical
0: right yep um cinematography by harry stradling music by jules stein and bob merrill and then the choreographer was herbert ross yes yes,
1: yes, yes. So, the- so again this is the entire creative team who wrote the show for the stage also adapted it for film Yep. And I guess Isabel Leonard had a habit of doing that. She worked on a lot of, like, film adaptations. It was, like, kind of her thing, so.
0: Yeah. So the cast for this one, obviously, the Barbara Streisand as Fanny Bryce. And thank God. And Fanny Bryce um, is a star comedian and singer. Omar Sharif as Nicky Arnstein. Uh, he was in Lawrence of Arabia. He played Dr. Zhivago. Okay. The the actor.
1: I've never seen Dr. Zhivago. Is it a musical? Uh, nope. Okay, because I see the cast recording for it all the time. Maybe it is. Was it adapted to be a musical later?
0: That's something I don't know.
1: We should look into that one because I don't actually know anything about Doctor Zhivago, but I see—I work at a record store and I see the soundtrack for it all the time.
0: Yeah. So uh, Nicky Arnstein has uh, is the gambling love interest. He's a gambler, a rambler,
1: and a reminder that these were real people.
0: Yeah. Um. Kay Medford as Rose Bryce, um, and she actually played Rose on Broadway. Go figure. Yeah. Uh, Anne Francis as Georgia James. She is the head chorus girl. Um, Anne Francis was in Forbidden Planet.
1: Oh, really? Mm -hmm. I knew I recognized Mm -hmm. her from somewhere. Mm -hmm. Oh, what an obscure thing to not be able to put my finger on. And
0: also... (laughs) Uh, Walter Pidgeon, who plays Florence Ziegfeld, who is the owner of the theater and the producer of the show, he was also in Forbidden Planet. Oh. So, fun fact.
1: That's so funny. Yeah. Is Forbidden Planet a musical? (laughs) No. I didn't think it was. No. But there's a musical adaptation of it, isn't there? That I have no idea. I'm pretty sure there is.
0: What are, ugh. We have so many questions.
1: Is everything a musical?
0: Everything's a musical. Are we in
1: a musical right now? If you
0: try hard, enough, I think, yeah. (laughs) Um, Then we have Lee Allen as Eddie Ryan, which is the assistant to Keeney and friend of Fanny. Uh, Mae Questel as Mrs. Streckocz. Fun fact, she was the um, voice of Betty Boop and Olive Oil. Shut up. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Oh how fun! And she does have a really cute character voice, so that totally makes sense. Yep, yep. What a wonderful character actress to include in this historic film,
0: right? It just wild. Uh, uh, Gerald Moore as uh, Branca. Who? Branca. Tom Branca. He's the one who um, owns and runs the uh, casino, the gambling place oh, oh, at the. I'll be honest. The end of the film. I know the
1: name of like three characters in this whole movie. That's valid. And it's like Nikki. Fanny and Ziegfeld. Yeah, he That's was... That's all I fucking got. <laughs> yeah, he
0: was friends with um, Nick. Okay. Arnstein. Uh, Frank Phelan as Keeney, which is Fanny's first boss. The theater where she right, gets her right. start. Um, And then Mitty Lawrence as Emma, Fanny's assistant. Um, And then Gertrude Flynn as Mrs. O'Malley and Penny Stanton as Mrs. Meeker. And those two are... um the other friends of Fanny's mom.
1: Right. Else. The so, gals who were always playing cards. Right, right. So
0: uh, the production for this one, uh Stark wanted Barbara, obviously, for the role of Fanny. Columbia Pictures wanted Shirley McLean.
1: Okay. I understand so, why.
0: Right, right. Um little did they know, Shirley McLean and Barbara Streisand were besties. <laughs> and Shirley was like Absolutely not. <laughs> this is not a... You I may mean, want you me. I don't want you. Like, <laughs> like, hire my best friend. She originated the role. You'd be out of your gourd if you didn't.
1: I wish Dumb. more Hollywood folks had that mindset. Because I feel like as a community of performers, you could easily look at casting and be like, Hey, are you guys casting that really popular uh, movie adaptation of an outrageously successful musical? Okay. uh, You do know that there's like a cast already for it. Right. Like we did that part already and it was wildly successful. Yeah. So what are you doing? What are we talking about right now?
0: Yeah. So when it came to looking for someone to play Nikki Arnstein, though, they looked at Frank Sinatra. And he turned it down because he was like, I'll do it, but you have to expand his role in this movie. Of course. And they were like, no. No. So, Stark thought he was too old anyway. They looked at Marlon Brando, Gregory Peck, Sean Connery, David Jansen, and James Garner. And obviously, they ended up with Omar Sharif. Omar Sharif. Sharif. Right. And with Omar, though, there was a six-day war that broke out between Israel and Egypt in the middle of filming this. And they wanted to replace Sharif. Because Omar Sharif is Egyptian. Right. And... Weiler and Streisand threatened to quit because they're like, no, you're not going to fire him over some conflict happening overseas. Right, that he has That's nothing not, to do with. Like, we're what not doing talking that. about. Right. The reception for this um, was great. So, it won an, Barbara won an Academy Award. It was the highest grossing film in 68, and it received eight Academy Award nominations. The budget for this was $14.1 million. Box office was $58.5 million.
1: That's insane. Yeah.
0: Um, Roger Ebert of Chicago Sun-Times called Streisand Magnificent and added she has the best timing since Mae West and is more fun to watch than anyone since young Catherine Hepburn. She doesn't actually sing a song at all. She acts it. She does things with her hands and face that are simply individual, and that's the only way to describe them. And But he thought the film itself is perhaps the ultimate example of the roadshow musical Gone Overboard. It's overproduced, over photographed. <laughs> And very long. The second half drags badly, but obviously, he was like, "But Barbara." But Barbara. But Barbara. Um.
1: So this this came out in '68. Mm-hmm. Hello, Dolly! Was '69.
0: Well, yeah. So she. That's wild. She filmed this one and got hired in Hello, Dolly. And there was controversy about it because they're like they had heard. That she was difficult on the filming of this. Sure. um, Which we talked about in our Hello Dolly episode. Yeah. Um, And they were like, we don't even know if she's going to be good on screen. You're taking a shot in the dark because that movie hasn't come out yet.
1: Right. So. Wow. What a crazy... Like, I imagine there was definitely some, like, bleed over between the two projects. Yep. What a crazy year that must have been between those two shows.
0: Oh, Oh, absolutely. And Pauline Kael from The New Yorker called this movie, "Bravura Performance. As Fanny Rice, um, Barbara has, has the wittiest comic inflections since the comedi- comedians of the 30s, and she makes written dialogue sound like inspired improvisation, which I was like, that's exactly it.
1: Yeah, yeah. It, it is exactly it.
0: And Streisand's triumph talent rides right over the film's weaknesses. I agree. Which I I agree wholeheartedly. I
1: I agree with the pacing comment about the second half. I think that is very true. But also, it doesn't matter because she puts it right over. Yep. You know? Fully.
0: Let's dive into some plot biddies.
1: Oh, I love it. Oh, I love that. Oh, you I love, love it. it. Oh. oh. I was watching The Nanny last night. Fun fact. I mean, that's what it
0: is. Yeah. Oh. Okay. So, the plot. We're in New York. Zigfield Follies is on the marquee.
1: Points for overture.
0: Yes. And Fanny is walking into the theater. We don't know what's Fanny right now.
1: Oh, and she's in that ridiculous leopard getup. Oh. It's so pretty.
0: Stunning.
1: It's like the pinnacle of extravagance.
0: So, the. Camera follows her into the theater and you never, you don't see her face. And she's like be bopping around backstage and da, 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 right up until she stops to look at herself in a mirror and then she's frozen, but the camera shifts so you can see her face in the mirror. And she says, hello, gorgeous. Iconic.
1: It's the first line in the show. Iconic. Absolutely iconic. And already right off the bat, we're using cameras to our advantage.
0: Exactly. Um, and she's going through, and you can tell that she's kind of in, like, a...
1: Less than stellar mood.
0: Yeah. She's she's not in a great mood, but she's, like...
1: Pensive about it. There you go. Yeah. Like,
0: trying, you know...
1: She's in a very reflective place. Reflective is her. the word that
0: I was looking for. So she's, you know, walking around, da-da-da. She ends up sitting in the audience because that's the seat that she's never had. Right. She says to to Emma... Um,
1: Who is like her dresser and assistant? Yeah, and also like maybe a slave. Unclear if she's like an indentured servant or just like a hired hand. But she is a she is a black actress in a uniform. Yeah, no idea. Which makes me
0: nervous. <laughs> so, um, she is sitting there and she's supposed to have a meeting with Mister Zigfield and she just kind of like looks up at the ceiling and she was like. You were wrong, Mrs. Strykotch. And then we get a flashback. And basically the rest of this movie is a flashback up right. until the very end.
1: Because what we what we are getting right off the bat is the frame story of the show, um, which is also used in the musical. And it, it's the whole story is told in a flashback. Yeah. Which I think effectively makes Funny Girl a memory play, technically. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I love the follies. I love the background of it. I want to get at it really bad. Um, and I just want to point out her dragon nails, too, before we get out of the flash or before we get out of the frame story. We talked about it in Hello Dolly. But I mean,
0: they're iconic. Yeah,
1: she's got those crazy like two inch long dragon nails again, and she like cups her face at one point with her hand. Mm-hmm. and like her nails go up past her eyebrow.
0: <laughs> they're just it's mm,
1: stunning. So now we're in the flashback, and we meet this table of character actresses
0: yeah and one of them is Fanny's mom, Rose, and they're all talking about Fanny and that she's talented, and she's like, I'm gonna go to a theater and i'm I have an audition today. They're like, Yeah, well, you're not exactly the right fit you were it was cute when you were little, you were funny, you, you know whatever, but now you're an adult and they're going to be looking at your looks, and we get the number if a girl isn't pretty
1: which so the the whole premise like her whole career hinges on the fact that Fanny Bryce isn't pretty enough to be a Follies girl. Right. She's not pretty enough to be in the chorus, which is laughable.
0: I mean, Barbra Streisand is absolutely stunning. And it's, pos- She's gorgeous. it's probably one of those things of like beauty standards of different times.
1: Sure. Whatever. But thing. like, it, I mean, but it's, it's just so funny to me because it's like the, it's a core premise of the whole show yeah. And it's just so laughable. She's so pretty the entire movie. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So she heads on out.
1: The street reveal? Yeah. Of what is it? Henry Street? Henry Street. hmm Super cool reveal. Um, I guessed the year here because we have like a big street scene. And I guessed 1918. I think we're probably looking closer to like, it's like 1912 or 1913 when I looked it up is where like her story starts. Um, so I was, I was close, but we are working like just after the turn of the century at the top.
0: Yep. So she heads to the theater and she's supposed to be working on this dance number.
1: Right. She's replaced an actress who had to leave the show.
0: And God, is she awful. She's
1: terrible. They're doing like this, like silk dance thing Yeah. with a, a silk scarf. And she's just, she's hamming it up. She's doing her best to sell it because she does not know the choreo.
0: No. And she uh, got awful. It's bad. Not an ounce of rhythm. So she gets fired.
1: Uh, Yeah, it's a fireable offense if you don't know what you're doing on stage. Yeah. Welcome Uh, to the industry. (laughs) Yeah,
0: fired by Keeney, and she's told that she doesn't fit. And of course he comments on her body, like her skinny legs and whatever. Yeah, yeah,
1: they they say she has really thin legs, which is like, I don't know. Again, it's like a weird convoluted body standard that changes all the time.
0: Uh, Yeah, I just, yeah. So she breaks into... I'm the greatest star. And she's singing to Keeney about how funny she is and talented she is in different ways. I fucking love this number. This number.
1: Better than Rain on My Parade.
0: I, my opinion. I really love it. I think really it's the best it. one. I think. And because it's one of these things where it has really beautiful vocal moments, but you also get
1: really strong acting beats.
0: Yes. The acting and the comedy and timing of it all.
1: And it starts with that iconic line. I'm a bagel on a plate full of onion rolls. Yep. That's an iconic line. Yeah. One of the most iconic from the show I think and it's it's on Greatest Star and not one of the more I guess notably famous songs. Like I feel like from the movie it's like uh, people my man don't rain on my parade like those are the numbers that everybody knows funny girl f- for. But Greatest Star is my personal favorite number.
0: I love this number. And she's just belting it out in, in an empty theater and it turns out that Eddie was there and heard her. And it was like, holy shit, you're not, you're a headliner, kid. You're not a You're chorus. not in the chorus. Why are you trying to be in the chorus? And this is one of those interesting things where someone thinks that this is all that they can be and this is what they deserve. Like, she deserves to be in the chorus and headlining wasn't a thing that she really thought of.
1: Right. It, like, wasn't an option in her head.
0: Right. But that's the option
1: for her. Right, it's the thing to do. Right. There's this really gorgeous moment in that number where, like, they catch her in full, full profile on camera. And it is so, it's such a pretty shot. I gasped. Mm. We really go all in on using cameras to our advantage in this movie.
0: Fully. So he's like, All right, I'm gonna put you in a roller skating number. You can skate, right? She's like, Yeah, yeah, of course I can skate. Yeah, you bet.
1: So here's the thing uh, you can lie on your resume.
0: Yeah.
1: You totally can. I encourage it. I think it's not a bad thing to do. You can go ahead and lie about your special skills. You can only lie about stuff that you can learn how to do between auditioning and going on stage. Yep. If you can't do it in that window of time, you can't lie about it. You can't
0: (laughs) lie about it. And she was supposed to do it literally like that night or the next night.
1: Yeah, yeah. You can totally lie. Again, I, I back that 100% you can put my name on that advice i i give you permission you can lie on your resume don't lie about something that you can't learn to do especially if it harms other people physically
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> so we get the number roller skate rag which is one of the numbers that was composed for the movie for straysand
1: right not in a not in a, a way that like fanny bryce sang the number somewhere else right cuz we get composed... a few of
0: those in this movie that the like actual real-life Fanny Bryce. Yeah, songs that she made famous.
1: This was written specifically for the movie.
0: Right. And everyone is in these green-purple costumes with grapes on the shoulder. Oh,
1: my God. One of the things that I love the most about Folly's costumes is that they're always a little bit over the top. They're always a little bit overextended. I have a really hard time doing, like, strictly realistic costumes. It's why I prefer to do musical theater as opposed to, like, straight plays when I costume design because I-, I have a hard time grasping, like, the grit of realism. I have a hard time doing that, especially on stage. And so I think if you can keep things a little bit overinflated, that just leans to my skill set. And uh, and the, the thing that draws me to Follies is that even, like, simple costumes like these aren't particularly glamorous or or interesting looking um but they are still a little bit just outside the sphere of reality yeah that's what i love so much about folly's costuming
0: yeah definitely and they Um, all match
1: which is fun to do
0: yeah so they these these gals shout out to choreo on roller skates
1: Yeah, which is already notoriously difficult, but then to choreograph in mistakes. Yeah. To do a number on roller skates that you, like, intentionally fuck up. Yeah. That's really difficult, and I can guarantee you that this was, like, dangerous, and especially at the time they were filming, it probably was not done in the most ethical way. Probably not. Actresses almost certainly walked away from this number with injuries.
0: Oh, fully. Fully. Because, like... Fanny cannot skate and is like making a mess and like pulling, pulling on girls and they're kind of like slipping
1: around a bit. And there's like a walking path around the front of the pit orchestra that they roller skate on,
0: mm-hmm. which is
1: incredibly dangerous. I
0: know. I was kind of holding my breath the whole time. So the reason I guess I have not covered this yet. The reason that I picked this one is not because I love it but because I had never seen it before.
1: Yeah. This is, uh, so this is one of my grandmother's favorite musicals. Um, and one of the few musicals that we've watched together. Um, she adores this one. Shout out to Cindy. Um, so I've seen it a number of times for nostalgic reasons. It's not something I never necessarily grab for myself, but, uh, I do watch it when I miss my grandmother who is still alive. I just miss her sometimes. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. That happens. But yeah. So I just watching that, I was like, <gasps> Like waiting for someone to fall in the pit, waiting for like, I just, I didn't know what was going to happen.
1: Yeah. And, and uh, the reason that it's so uh, worth mentioning is because it is very dangerous and they still do it safely, which means that not only are these girls like good dancers, good dancers on roller skates, they're also skilled enough at roller skating that they can do all of these practical stunts Yep. safely.
0: And that includes Barbara Streisand because she yeah. is having to act like she can't skate without breaking limbs. Right.
1: It's a very particular skill set and very, it's a very impressive number.
0: Yeah. So turns out the audience absolutely loves Fanny because they're like, Oh, she made this comedy, like this gal who doesn't look like the other girls and can't skate for her life on stage. They thought it was on purpose. Right. Because of how ridiculous it was. They thought it was a bit. Right. So she gets sent back out to sing. I'd rather be blue over you. And now she can skate. (laughs) She's still on the skates, folks. And she like she kind of she figures it out at one point, and you know.
1: I have been roller skating most of my life. Right. It's my preferred uh, wheelie mode of transportation. I cannot skate backwards. I would hurt myself. Yeah. It's a skill.
0: It's a skill. I just stunning job. Everybody fucking loves her. They're like, holy shit! She gets like a standing ovation, and she's so jazzed. Back in the dressing room, however, the girls were making fun of her. Absolutely. They're like, uh, what the fuck, dude?
1: All of the mean girls look really hungry. Well, that's all I have to say about it.
0: Well, the industry is mean.
1: Yeah. You look hungry. Maybe you should quit bitching and eat a cracker. Yeah, well. That's my advice.
0: (laughs) So she's. So Fanny is talking about how she's going to become famous. Maybe there's someone in the audience that knows uh, uh, Florence Ziegfeld and this, that, the other thing. And they're like, how the fuck is that going to even happen?
1: It's not going to happen.
0: She's like, she just has absolute pure belief in herself and that's Listen,
1: Fanny, you're a joke and we hate you.
0: And she's like, one of these days, girls, there's going to be a knock at the door.
1: And then someone knocks on the door.
0: (laughs) And she looks like she's gonna shit. She's like, I mean, "Uh," wouldn't you? Opens the door. Guess who's there, folks? Nikki Arnstein. Nikki Arnstein, Nikki Arnstein. Yeah, so she's like, he's fucking hot. And she, like, the frame freezes. And then we get this, like, her singing his name. Yeah,
1: it's like an echoey ghost whisper of his name.
0: It's so fucking weird. Um, I loved it. Yeah. And he's wearing this ruffle, ruffle shirt. Mm-hmm. Um, And he's Under like, his tuxedo. yeah. And he's like, you were great. I, I really enjoyed it. Did it da. Whatever. Keeney shows up and is like, Hey, uh, that was fantastic. Everybody loves you. I'm going to offer you a job making 25 bucks a week. And Fanny's about to snap it up. And Nikki's like, no, 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 leave it.
1: I heard somebody else wants to hire you.
0: I I was um actually sent by someone that is wanting to hire her and is willing to pay her uh thirty dollars a week and then they have like a bidding war back and forth and Keeney ends up leaving off on he's gonna pay her fifty bucks a week. Which is great. And he's like he starts walking away and he's like, fifty bucks a week. Oh god. <laughs> like, <laughs> like how the fuck am I gonna pay her? So Nikki invites her out to dinner and she's like, I have to go to my mom's saloon. I'm supposed to be meeting people. Um, and he's like, all right, well, I'll see you around. He leaves. She's like, I'm never going to see him again.
1: LOL. I do want to point out, too, that uh, the person that Nikki was sent to, like, offer money for is fake. Yeah. There's oh, not a real yeah. Person. So
0: he's like, well, I'm a gambler, you see. And she's like, what would have happened if...
1: I would... If Keeney had called your bluff and not been able to pay me, and he was like, well, you would have been out of a job. And she was like, what the fuck, dude?
0: He's like, yeah, but that's who I am. I'm a gambling man.
1: Yeah, now you got more money out of it. And she was like, okay.
0: All right, well, that cool was trick, a choice. Cool trick, bud. <laughs> Gosh.
1: But yes, and she's like, I'm never going to see him again. She's back at her mom's.
0: So there's a telegram for, for Bryce. Telegram for Bryce. So we the, don't yeah. know who There's is the scored. guy coming
1: down Henry street, getting, getting to her parents' shop and, and everybody's like street. Somebody's dead.
0: Isn't that just like life?
1: Someone's got a telegram. Somebody's dead.
0: Right. Um, and we find out that it's been six months because Fanny says something the way that this movie Tells us how much time has passed is great.
1: It's very clever writing.
0: They don't they don't lean on it very hard. Um, it, it happens several times in the film. And here yeah. she's talking to Eddie and she's like, well, you know, I've been at this for six months and doing the same stuff. Can we do something different? Da-da-da, whatever. So that's fantastic. Um, she heads home and she's like, oh my God, there are all these fucking people outside my house. Someone's dead. She goes and turns out, this telegram is from Zigfield himself and wants her to come audition.
1: Yeah. Big news.
0: She's freaking out. She's so excited. And then she starts to panic and she's like, oh my God, I haven't suffered enough yet. Like I... Be-.
1: I can't be in the big times. I haven't suffered enough.
0: And Eddie was like, I'm sure the suffering will come later. <sighs> Which like is a funny line. Until you watch the whole thing, yeah. and then you're like, oh.
1: It's funny the first time you watch the movie, though. Fuck.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, flash forward. She's in New York. She is singing Secondhand Rose uh, as an audition for Ziegfeld, which um is a part of the show. And, fun fact, the real-life Fanny Bryce uh, made that number popular.
1: There you go. That's one of them.
0: Yep. Yep. So... She got the part, and he's like, All right, so you're gonna be doing this one, and then you're gonna be a bride in the finale, and it's gonna be great. And she's like, Okay, cool. Go with so and so,
1: you'll learn the lyrics. She's... She gets handed a sheet.
0: And she's reading, she's reading the lyrics, and she's like, Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Flo. Uh I Ziggy. And she's looking for him, can't find him. Georgia James is like, uh, he's up in the rafters. Like God. Like God. <laughs> Um, deeply
1: relatable. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we've both played the role of God. He's, he's in on the, theater.
0: <laughs> on the God, Mike, on
1: the God, Mike.
0: Um, and he's like, all right, what's up? She's like, well, I can't play. I can't sing this. I can't sing these words because it's about how beautiful I am. And this, that, the other thing I'm going to be laughed off the stage. So he ends up coming down and talking to her. And George is like, oh my God, this is bad. When just... he gets
1: to the stage, you just tell him you were wrong. Say sorry and get going.
0: Yeah. And she was like, I'll, I'll do this first number, but I can't do this last number. And he's like, all right, you don't do the last number. You're not in the show.
1: I'm totally team Ziggy in this argument.
0: Oh my God.
1: Yes. Like, do I think that like from performer to director, you just don't argue. And there are lines in the sand there about, about when you start doing things unethically or when you're, when you're doing things, um, in a bigoted way or something like that. Like certainly something there are that
0: goes against your moral code. Sure, There
1: are moral and ethic ethical lines to, to keep an eye on and to like stay on the other side of, um, and you should call people out when they cross them, but he's your director and he told you what number you were in. That's not a line you should cross. No. You as an actress do as you're told when you show up, it's yeah. not your job to do that. Like it, it it's the whole like purpose of the director in Western theater is to like, be the person who makes those decisions so that people on stage can work with each other amicably. So like, And shut so up. that
0: way there's a cohesive story.
1: Right, right, right. Yeah. So like, just shut up. Stop arguing. And be she, done.
0: Yeah. And she's, they have a little back and forth and she's like, all right, fine. I'm sorry. I was wrong. I'll do it. Flash forward to the show is on. It's happening. She has, happening.
1: A, she has a, a moment in the mirror too, between these moments and it's so well shot. It's such good cinema. I just can't get over all the little moments that we take between storytelling points to really use camera work. Yeah. It's just really effective. But yes, now we're in the number
0: uh he makes his love makes me beautiful. These fucking outfits.
1: The bride's reveal.
0: Holy shit.
1: It's theater magic.
0: Cuz like we were watching these girls like get ready like one is in a bathtub and one, you know, da, 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 whatever. And just the outfits, these like lingerie pieces almost.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's stunning.
0: I, I can't. <laughs> I can't. I can't really describe them. You have to see them yourselves.
1: It's some of the most beautiful costume work I think we've seen on the podcast up to this point. Yeah. I think one of the reasons it probably doesn't stand out in, in cinema history or in theater history is because they don't really mean anything. Yeah, And that's kind of the downside of Folly's costumes is often like they're very inflated and gorgeous and and, uh, almost overworked. Like they're these insanely ornate pieces, but they don't really mean anything. Right. Right. They're just there for the spectacle. Right. As opposed to some of the gorgeous work we saw in, like, Hello, Dolly! comes to mind since we're talking about Barbara. There were a lot of really gorgeous pieces in that, but they all, like, meant something. Right? They establish a time period or they tell us something about the character. or, You know, they bookmark an important, like, the purple number in, in uh, Hello, Dolly! has, like, a meaning and, like, is an, it bookmarks a, a change in her character and this and that and the other thing. Um, but they mean something. And these don't. No. They are very, very, very pretty.
0: Stunning. Um, and I mean, they've got this like blue eyeshadow, and the bottom liner, like elongates the eye. It just,
1: oh, it's stunning. It's
0: mm, so
1: good. Again, just uh, particularly theatrical magic.
0: Exactly. (laughs) And so this song is going through and singing about different kinds of brides. Like the, the winter bride is this, that, the other thing, the spring bride. Why does this description of these brides remind me? of like the naming of cats from cats.
1: (laughs) Yes, it's the naming of cats, but make it Follies. The Ziegfeld version of the naming of cats. And if you
0: folks out there have listened to this number or watched this number and haven't thought that, now that you hear that, I want you to go (laughs) back. And I just, it's so, it's so that, that it's, I couldn't, I was laughing too hard (laughs) about it. Um, so they're going through of all these different kind of seasonal brides. And then Fanny is the singing bride. Because I guess that's a kind of bride.
1: That's the kind of bride I was.
0: <sighs> I mean, hello. So <laughs> she comes out and she looks pregnant.
1: Yeah. She's got a, a really noticeable baby bump. And she's... Right.
0: What kind of waist is that? It's an empire, empire? waist. That's yeah. what I thought. It's where the
1: skirt starts like right at the bust line.
0: Yeah. So she's wearing... um an empire waist dress and looked so pregnant that it's so pregnant. absolutely comical. And she's singing <sighs> about how his love makes me beautiful. And she's like touching her belly then.
1: Right. And has
0: turned this number, like especially the end here into a comedic number. Yeah. Instead of like Which the more serious love number that it was supposed to be. It's not
1: written for comedy. No. I mean, she's really done it now. Ziegfeld is furious. He is
0: pissed and with a while key. the while the number is still going on, he is moving through the audience to get backstage. Oh, yeah. Cuz he's like as soon as this number is done, we're having a conversation. Um women come down from the ceiling oh, with man. lighting this end
1: the final tableau on the production number is Jesus so H. insane. There's women suspended from the ceiling. Everyone's in these great ornate poses. There's these enormous like headdresses on some of the women. I mean, it's it's absolute buffoonery. Like it's just insane. And there's even like a pearlescent like like a pearl curtain that comes down on the number. I mean, it's just it's just the most expensive, delectable thing you've ever seen. Rich, rich.
0: Oh God. So. Everybody loved the number. The audience loved the number.
1: The girls on stage loved the number. Right. Uproarious applause. Everyone's like, oh my God, Fanny, this was so great. You're so clever. And she's like, I just thought of it on my way out. I saw a pillow and I thought I have to do it.
0: Yeah. So Zigfield pulls Fanny away from others, which I think is peak professionalism. He did not yell at her in I front agree. of others. he agree. Pulled her through the theater all the way to her dressing room.
1: To have a private conversation with her, which which is very, the professional thing to do.
0: Right. And he was pissed. And he was like, why did you do this? Why can't you just do the thing? It's nothing. Shut up about your looks. Like, I can't. And she's like, no, because the difference is, is, he was like, they were still laughing at you. And she's like, no. No,
1: they were laughing with me.
0: They were laughing with me and not at me. And that's the difference. It was which,
1: my joke.
0: Which he didn't get. Right, But there was a knock at the door, and it's her mom, um, Mrs. Stray Koch and Eddie that show up. And they're like, oh, he did great. Oh, my God. Isn't she just fantastic? Because of Mr. Ziegfeld, oh, blah, 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 blah. The Whatever.
1: audience loved her.
0: And so they they eventually exit. He's like, all right, listen. You really pissed me off and you're lucky that the audience loved it as much as they did. I'm going to give you another number.
1: And we're going to keep the finale the way it is.
0: Don't fuck this up.
1: And she even apologized. She's like, "I promise tomorrow night I'll do it exactly as written." He said, "You'll do exactly what you did tonight."
0: Because that worked.
1: But from here on out, you listen to me. Yeah. And I'm going to I'm going to give you another number for the first act, and then she says, Actually, I think, and I think the audience agrees, that it's best when I choose my own numbers. And I'm like, Fanny! Oh my god! She pushes her luck so far.
0: Uh, so far. She
1: pushes every ounce of luck she's ever had in that moment. And I was like, girl, I don't care if the audience loved you. If you spoke to me that way as a director, I would be like, you're done at the end of the week. Yeah. We're going to round out this week, so I have time to find a replacement, and you are done. Yeah. Yeah. Holy shit. Mess. <laughs> so
0: um, another knock at the door, it's Nick. And Zigfield, and Nick seem to know each
1: other. Yeah, they seem to run the same like theatrical circles of, of people with money in the area.
0: Right. Um, so she's like, oh my God, it's my man in the ruffled shirt. Holy shit. And he's like, yeah, didn't you get the flowers that I sent? You know, da-da-da, whatever.
1: Yellow roses.
0: Yellow roses. Oh. And he, he's like, all right, now you have to let me take you out to dinner this time. You just, like, opened up Broadway. You have to let me take you to dinner.
1: You're a hit. And she's you like... deserve it.
0: Well, there's actually kind of a party for me back at my mom's saloon, and he's like, cool.
1: All right, let's I'm, do that. Let's do that. Which I love. Yeah. I love that he's, like, a high society person, and she was like, oh, no, I have to go back to Henry Street. And he was like, all right.
0: Let's I'm do I'm into it. that.
1: As long as I get to go with you, like, let's go.
0: Yeah. So he is talk- They're they are dancing, they get talking and he, she finds out that the way that he makes his living is by gambling and doing a bunch of that other kind of stuff. And dark sided, the dark side. <laughs> um, he ends up playing cards with the girls. And by the way, he has a really great hand, but he folds.
1: Yeah. Oh, this is a really sweet moment.
0: He, I mean, he has like a, like a great hand in poker and yeah. he folds and he's like, Oh, your girl's got me.
1: You're just too rich for me. And it's important because the women here playing cards at this table are not of the same social class as him. No. Like, he very easily could have won this game and taken them for every penny. And he doesn't. No. And he's, at the end, he's like, oh, how much do I owe you? And she's like, oh, I think $27 and something cents. And he's it- like, great. Happy to ha- happy to give it away. Yeah. Like it's no, just, I think it's twenty-seven pennies. Oh, I mean it's I even mean it's, even if it was twenty-seven hundred dollars, like it's nothing to Nikki Arnstein. Like it. Yeah. The point is, it's it's a character moment for him where you see like how how good of a man he is.
0: Right. So, Mrs. Koch pushes the two of them together to sit and talk, and she's like, "All right, I want an invite to the wedding." <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> um, the two of them go outside to talk, and. She admits, like, yeah, I've been thinking about you, you know, whatever. And he's like, well, do you have a boyfriend? <laughs> and so they're talking about that. She's like, well, do you have a girlfriend? He's like, I like to be free. I'm fucking sure you do, Nikki Arnstein. Yeah, that's
1: a, a yellow flag at the at the least. I... Like, on a good day, it's probably a red flag on most days.
0: <laughs> yeah. So then we get the iconic number people.
1: Oh. Oh, what a breathtaking number.
0: I just love it. And she, I mean, I literally, in my notes, the amount of times that I said, fuck, she is stunning.
1: I mean, she's incredible. Stunning. And knowing now that, like, this number was in jeopardy of being cut from the Broadway production, she probably came at this number with a a fervor. She was like, I am going to show the entire world that this number deserves to be here.
0: And it's, oh...
1: Like she probably came at it with a, a sort of rage and she was like, this is going to be beautiful. Yeah. We're going to look back on this and be like, how could anybody ever have wanted to, And it's exactly what we did. And it's
0: exactly that. Yep. Um, so the number closes out and they are, you know, she's like, Oh, well, am, can I see you tomorrow night? You know, they're talking about that. And he's like, actually I have to leave to go to Kentucky. I have horses. I, you know, da, 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 whatever. And she's like, oh, well, when are you back in town? And he's like, I never have definite plans. It makes me feel too tied down. Run, Fanny. <laughs> Run. Um, it just. It so is, many
1: red flags. Oh. So little time. <laughs>
0: like almost everything that he says, like in the beginning of this is just like. Uh. So um, they're like leaning in really close, though. There's an actual sparkle in her eye
1: yes there is
0: an actual
1: (laughs) just a little glimmer glimmer
0: sparkle in her eyeball
1: i mean wouldn't your eyes sparkle too if omar sharif was being romantic and kissed you
0: and then when they like flip over to him there's a sparkle (laughs) in his eye when i say that it just oh anyway So like, not
1: like a particular look, like a physical sparkle,
0: a physical, a physical sparkle, a
1: visible, you can watch like a little, like
0: a little star (laughs) in their eye. It is ridiculous. And they kiss.
1: So romantic.
0: Oh my God. They kiss. And he drives off and she's like, Oh, my love. Oh, Oh, (laughs) fanning myself. Um, now they're hopping off. Fanny and the gals are hopping off a train, and right, we're
1: back with the cast of Follies. Yeah, and they're it running turns through out, a train station. Yeah,
0: because so they are on tour with the Follies, and they're in Baltimore. Um, there's reporters, so obviously this has been going well. All they're, the women
1: are wearing wiggle dresses. Yeah, which is like one of rarely has women's fashion been like genuinely impractical. Even when it's uncomfortable physically, it still serves a practical purpose most of the time. The wiggle dress is one of those examples in fashion history that, like, a wiggle dress is not comfortable, it's not practical, you can hardly walk in them, but I fucking love them. I think they're so cute. Mm-hmm. I love seeing a wiggle dress, especially on stage, because you do have to, like, your ankles are, like, strapped together. Like, you have to, like, yeah. wiggle to move forward in a wiggle dress. I don't know that's why it's called that. Um... And I think they're so impractical and so pretty.
0: Yeah. <laughs> um, Fanny is heading down the way and oh my God, there he is. Nikki Arnstein, Nikki N- Arnstein. Nikki Arnstein. <laughs> so she comes up to him and he's like, oh my God, Fanny, blah, 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 whatever. They're so excited. Uh, and she's like, well, it's it's been a year since I've seen you. And he says a year and two weeks.
1: Oh, he was counting.
0: Oh, oh. And again, in another way of showing passage right, of time, clever
1: use of the passage of time. Um, and she's really bitter about it. She you is. You can tell she's she's mad. She's like, we had this wonderful encounter, and then you just disappeared for a year. You fucking prick.
0: Yeah. What the fuck? Mad about it. So he asked her out to dinner, and um, she's like, No, I'm I'm busy. I'm not doing that. And he was like, Well, what if you weren't? And we should. and you know this that the other thing and she's like what were you in you obviously weren't in town because you knew i was gonna be here here for another girl and he was like yeah the way my jaw hit the floor (laughs) (laughs) turns out the other girl was a horse it's a horse it's a horse but it really it really got me for a second because i was like this son of a
1: bitch fucking arnstein you shut your mouth
0: so he's like i'm gonna reserve a table at eight at the majestic it's a private little room it's gonna be great and intimate and i'm so jazzed and she's like i'm not going and he's like i'll see you there (laughs) so we're in her hotel room and she's getting ready and she's talking to emma and she's like emma i can't go i'm not going this is ridiculous as she's actively getting ready
1: she's putting these like uh, tiny purple flowers in her hair, mm-hmm. which is like a mile high right now, by the way. Stunning. Her hair is enormous in I, this scene. I
0: fucking love her it's hair. It's gorgeous. It's so good. But yeah, and, she's putting
1: these little purple flowers in and And she's, ready.
0: you know, picking out an outfit, this, that, the other thing. And she's like, I'm not going. And she's, Emma's like, you, but why do you keep talking about it? And why are you still getting ready? And she's like, I'm not going, Emma. <laughs> Flash to her in front of the door uh, of this place for dinner.
1: And she's wearing this insanely gorgeous purple number.
0: Beauty in purple.
1: Right. A vision in violet. I mean, she just looks incredible.
0: She walks in and she's acting very nonchalant about the whole thing. Like, yeah, I... My plans got canceled and I decided to have a free dinner. You know, kind of thing. Like, Yeah. Uh,
1: She's in this insane ornate room. It's like red velvet walls and like matching red velvet furniture. I mean, the room is just the most luxurious thing you've ever seen.
0: Just sensuous. And
1: she still manages to be the most pretty thing in the scene
0: stunning like she, it's
1: it's such a gorgeous ornate set and she's and she's wearing this insane dress with she like has a,
0: this wrap, matching and
1: then, wrap and matching purple flowers and she's she's still the prettiest thing in the room damn what the fuck
0: yeah so nikki's like can i take your wrap and she just drops, drops it, it on the, the floor, floor.
1: <laughs> she there's so many good comedy beats in this scene and she has such such a controlled wit at all mm-hmm. times
0: and this is especially one of those scenes that feels like it is improv. Yeah. It on her half. Everything
1: feels very off the cuff and very, very light and very, the the timing is always right. And oh. it's really great.
0: Oh, so there's a, there's a chaise little couch.
1: Oh, chaise lounge. Oh, chaise lounge mm.
0: uh, in the corner. And she's like, what are you planning on making advances? <laughs> and he's like. Oh, when I make advances, you'll know. The way I blushed, I was like, oh my God. Oh my goodness. (laughs) Um, So he gives her this blue marble egg and she's like, what the fuck?
1: It's really. (laughs) But it's really expensive and really
0: beautiful. And he was like, I, and yellow roses again.
1: Yellow roses.
0: And her makeup look. Is stunning. I
1: knew you would clock it.
0: It's like that smoked out eyeliner. That just, I mean, it is Barbara.
1: Absolutely. At, in
0: this time frame, I, mm, I want to learn how to do it. Let's do it. Um, but I absolutely love her makeup here, her hair, everything. Uh, he gives her, hands her a drink. She tosses it back. Um, <laughs> And she, you know, they're having these conversations, and she's keeping her feelings definitely, like, pulled back.
1: Yeah, she's got a wall up. Yeah. She's guarded. Um, And to be fair, last time she was vulnerable with him, he disappeared for a year. So, like, I get it.
0: Um, And he was like, I wanted to stay away from you. Because I think that I like you too much. And also, you didn't know how to handle what we were going to be getting into. But... If you still don't know, it's time you learned. Oh, are you kidding?
1: Nicholas, oh please. Oh my God, I'm
0: blushing. Jesus Christ.
1: The charm is so thick.
0: Oh my God. Listen, I don't care for men. <laughs> but some when it's this level of charm you can't help but I mean, yeah oh my god he arnstein uh, you
1: scurvy dog uh,
0: and then you get the number you are woman i am man now here's the thing
1: so i didn't he need he is so charming <laughs> i didn't need omar sharif to sing
0: he is very attractive <laughs> His singing kind of took me out of it a little bit.
1: <laughs> it does. It kind of squashes the moment ever so slightly. Because it's
0: one of those things where it's it's on the verge of like, I is this okay or is this bad? And it's constantly teetering that line. Yep. And it's never like, oh, okay, no, this is bad, or oh, no, no, this no, is. He's this got it. No, it literally is constant throughout the number, yeah. of teetering back and forth. And he's just like coming at her but not in like a not in like an aggressive scary way no which I think could easily happen in these kinds of things
1: absolutely it could
0: and she is still in control of the situation yes you can tell um and at one point she's you know they're kind of flipping back and forth and she's like oh my god is this what I'm really gonna do am I really gonna do this is this a thing that's gonna happen oh my god it's happening and he's like I'm gonna bone you down (laughs) Like you've never been boned before, because I'm sure you haven't, and will never be boned down like this again. Oof!
1: I don't so, ever want you to look me in the eye and use the phrase "boned down" ever gonna, again. Don't look at me when you don't do it. I'm gonna bone you. Down.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I hate it. Anyway, so he turns the lights down at the end of this number.
1: They're just gonna finish their meal in the dark, I, I mean, guess. They're
0: not. They're eating other things, Drake. <laughs> They could use some of those spices we were talking about earlier.
1: Pull out the dick and titty spice. The
0: dick and titty spice, maybe even a little (laughs) cunty spice they're making out blackout. So we enter in on Mama Rose Bryce and her friends sitting around the table playing cards, and she's like, "I think something's up with my daughter. I think something's going on because she is all giddy and weird, and she's actually going out (laughs) and doing things and whatever. And she doesn't do that." And then they're like, "Oh my God, is it a man? Well, which one?" And then all she does is this card trick thing that, or tried to do this card trick thing that Nick did when he was there, and they're like, "Oh,
1: when he met the table ladies, yeah." And they're like,
0: (gasps) "Oh." The ruffled shirt guy?
1: That's the one. Yeah.
0: (laughs) So Fanny and Nikki are... I almost called him Sharif. Uh, I (laughs) I mean, that's what it is. I mean, that's who it is. But uh, Fanny and Nikki are having lobster. And it's her first lobster. And her first penis?
1: Zing. Zing.
0: A bunch of firsts. And the guy, like, she's eaten two whole lobsters and the guy behind the counter is like, listen, lady,
1: the third one is free. If you f- can eat it,
0: if you can eat it, I will cook this right now for you. This is fantastic. Love a girl with an appetite. And so her and Nikki are talking back and forth about what they're going to do. da da da, whatever. And he's like, well, actually I have to leave because that horse that I got, uh, didn't win. I lost damn near everything. Um, And I need to leave for Europe. So what he does though, is that he's not going to Europe. It's not about the destination. It is about the journey for him because he's going to play cards against a bunch of guys that are are on these sheep, sheeps,
1: on these sheeps,
0: on these sheeps. And he's like, that's how I'm going to win my money back. So she's obviously upset. And she's like, I don't know how this is. He's like, it's different than last time. It's not different from last time. You're going to leave and I'm not going to see you now after having all of these wonderful times. And da, da, da. And he said, no, it is different than last time. What's? And she's like, what's different? I love you. Oh. 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 <laughs> Got Miguel.
1: I just love him.
0: Oh. Oh. Um, and then they have this kiss that is the most ridiculous thing in my oh, whole my life. Oh, my God. Uh... Because... Okay, they're standing on the dock, right? Yeah. The water behind them. The sun is setting.
1: It's so stunning. And the
0: sun is right in between the two of them. If you so guys want to know what a
1: movie shot should look like.
0: Jesus H. And they had to time this. this shit just right oh because God. they used the actual sun. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's so romantic and such an insanely beautiful shot. Oh, Oh. I can't get over it.
0: Stunning. So the Follies tour is heading out and all the gals are in the train station waiting. Can you imagine traveling in those bougie ass fucking clothes? No. I mean these women are like in full dress, giant hats with feathers yeah, and, I, you heels and you had to be you had to be
1: to be out in public. It was the only way to be decent in public. And I will say I I don't love most things about 21st century fashion. I almost always prefer vintage fashion. It's just more interesting. It was much more durable. There are lots of things about vintage and antique fashion that are much better than contemporary fashion, but I will say the one thing we have done right is like the athleisure trend. Yeah. I love the comfort of the 21st century. Yeah. Oof.
0: If I had to ride on a train or in a plane in a gown... In a dress, heels. I would a hat. Be,
1: I would be furious. I'd stay home. Yeah. Oh my god. And like undergarments were so much less comfortable and like men had to wear at least three pieces.
0: Right, a three piece suit and like it just Like
1: you're always in a waistcoat, like it's it's just a lot. And they were again they were thick, durable fabrics. So you're talking like wools, heavy cotton blends, like
0: versus my t shirt, sweatshirt, joggers and slides. Right. Like do you know
1: what we travel in now? It's like pajamas yeah it's it's soft stretchy yeah <laughs> plastic material yeah and it's so comfortable Yeah.
0: <laughs> so they're in waiting for their train oh my god he sent her flowers and champagne
1: always yellow roses to
0: the train station
1: with a card that says like i love you so much
0: he's like i love you and she's like that's it I'm not going to Chicago to finish this leg of the tour. Oh are you my fucking? God. You, you are the headliner,
1: Fanny. You, you ha- get, are get the your headliner. head out of your ass. She
0: only has two weeks left, and she is running off to a man. You and- have two
1: weeks left. Don't just quit the show.
0: Two weeks. Two weeks.
1: Two weeks. Tell, tell Ziggy that you don't want to go on the next tour. That's acceptable. Finish your contract and be done with the show. But don't just quit.
0: Yeah, she's not going to Chicago. Georgia, James, which I, based off of her and everything, I thought she was going to have more of a part in this. They cut out a bunch of the scenes between her and... Oh,
1: that's so sad. Her and Fanny. That's always a letdown as an actor when you get to the final product and you find out you've been reduced. Yeah. Oh, that sucks.
0: So Georgia... Was like, what the fuck are you gonna say to him? Well, I'll. She goes and calls him for her and gets him on the phone, Mm -hmm. and she, Fanny tells him, I'm not going. I want something other than this life. I want more. Da da da. da. And he's like, What the fuck? And ends up like hanging up on her.
1: Yeah, (laughs) I do think there's something to be said about the balance between performing and your real life as a performer. Like there, there has to be a balance between what you do on stage and what you do with, with the rest of your life. Mm -hmm. Um, and I always say as like a rule of thumb, as a performer, real life should always come first because sometimes what we do is important and sometimes it's not, we've talked about that before on the podcast. Like what we do is tell stories for a living and sometimes that makes a difference in the world and sometimes it's frivolous and, and neither is better than the other necessarily, but real life should always come first because what we do day in and day out is play pretend and tell stories. If we stop telling stories, no one dies. Right. Right. Like nothing bad happens if if you decide not to be a storyteller anymore. So real life should always come first, and that includes like births, deaths, weddings, once in a lifetime events. And it health. should also your health, absolutely. It should also include the relationships to the people around you. But in a sensible way. Like she's she's crumpling up like the tail end of a tour and just throwing it in the trash right now, and that's so stupid.
0: Yeah. I just, I don't know. I don't know. I
1: mean, she she is stunning and so, so talented. But I'll be honest, she's not talented enough to warrant all of this ridiculous behavior. Yeah.
0: And so the chorus girls are like, don't fucking do this. Are you kidding me? Does he want you to go with him? Did he ask? Everyone kind of
1: descends on her in this like like little cloud of hen clucking.
0: And then that's what kicks off um, into Don't Rain on My Parade, which... I didn't know, again, I had never seen this movie. I had never seen this show. I don't know the context of these things, right? Mm -hmm. I always thought that this was about going out and auditioning and being a part of the thing and doing the thing. And that's why, like, don't rain on my parade. Don't shit on my day. I have hope in myself and I want to follow that. Sure. This was about leaving the job that she's always wanted to go run off after a man- That did say "I love you," yeah. But it was like it wasn't like he was never coming back.
1: Yeah, it's a good "I want" song, but when you put it in the context of the film, it kind of like dampens the magic of it. I think. Yeah, I was like, oh, because it's about a man. Yeah, it's about like going off to be with a man despite like logic or reason. Yeah, in like almost a sort of self-deprecating way
0: (laughs) well and I think that's the thing right is that if if she was like I'm I'm dropping things for love sometimes that's like that can be okay this is like especially
1: if you're obsessed with your career if you've if you've lost that sense of balance and you're neglecting real people in your lives or real relationships in your lives but that's not the case here no that's not what's happening or, or maybe it is from her perspective maybe but it's it's not from our perspective what is happening right and uh, and yeah this number isn't my favorite in the movie although it is one of my favorite show tunes
0: because I, it's stunning
1: right because it's super fun to belt and, and it's uh, again a really great I want song out of context. Um, so she goes on this kind of like journey trying to trying to get to Nikki It's a, it's a travel happening. song kids It's a travel song and she takes the yellow roses with her. which fine. I mean, this bouquet gets beat to shit. She beats the shit out of those poor
0: flowers. Well, and like, so she rides the train and then she hops in a car to get to the, to get to where the ship is going to be taking off. Turns out she gets there and she missed the ship while she hops a steamer instead that like catches up with the ship. And it's this whole thing. And I mean,
1: she has that fantastic moment at the end of the number on that steamer where she's like at the helm of the boat, like having her Titanic moment. Belting the end of "Don't Rain on My Parade," and I wrote, "You better belt on that boat, bitch."
0: <laughs> well, because like then the camera like swings up and like comes out and like up above, and we get the shot of the boat moving on on the water. Her on the front. This is one of the first times that this has ever been used. This kind of camera shot.
1: Yeah, it's a really impressive shot because again, this is '68. Yeah, and we don't have like drones and stuff. In this time period, the way we do now to do those crazy overhead shots.
0: So try. I mean, it just it.
1: And she's so on the good. she's on the water. Like, how do you even do this? Like, it's it's movie magic, right? How did you do this?
0: So, Nikki is in his room, and he's like talking to the steward, and he's leaning up against the wall, like looking out the window, Oh, pensive and sad and <laughs> whatever.
1: Uh,
0: Fanny shows up at his room looking a mess.
1: She looks like Obviously, a disaster. Obviously,
0: because she was just plastered at the front of a steamer <laughs> boat. And they make out about it. And the steward's standing there like, oh, okay. And he's like, oh, Miss Bryce, I absolutely loved you uh, in, in your latest show. I, I got to go see it. Um, and it, he says, just ring if you need anything, Mr. Bryce. <laughs> I cackled.
1: Listen, that steward is gay. I, and I is. really believe that
0: he is. He is. <laughs> they go to dinner uh, on the ship, and it just oh holy, my god, holy set in dressing, Batman.
1: They are in this insane like like jade dining room. Yeah, it's absurd.
0: Mm-hmm. And the
1: gown that Barbara Streisand is wearing in this scene—it's like this insane iridescent, sparkly, dripping with beads and jewels thing. It's absurd.
0: Lovely. They sit down, and they're chit-chatting, whatever, and Fanny brings up the whole why don't we get married conversation. She's like, without saying it. She's like, you know how typically <laughs> at this time, you know, when people love each other, there's usually Somebody like a usually conversation. Says this, and
1: then we do this. And then and we have
0: this, and I'm like, we shouldn't get married, and you're like, saying. why don't we get married, and da da
1: da whatever. Yeah.
0: Um, so he proposes shittily
1: yeah terrible proposal
0: um because he's like i mean yeah sure like why don't we get married then
1: terrible proposal. and then she's like
0: oh my god let's do it tonight um and he's <laughs> like no no, no, no. i want to win big because i have a certain vision for what i want our life to be and i need to win big in order to be able to do that and she's like oh my god okay well i want to be a sadie and he's like who we Sadie, met a,
1: Sadie, married lady. We
0: met Sadie earlier, um, very briefly. Yeah, and she was married to a dentist and had a mouthful of metal. Anyway, <laughs> she's like, I want to be that. I want to be a, a Sadie. I want to be married. And he's like, Well, I literally have a poker game tonight, with and it could be the thing. Mm-hmm. And she wants to come watch. And he's like, Well, can you watch with no expression? And she says, Yes. And it turns out she can watch a poker game with no expression just about as good as she can roller skate.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, she's hemming, hemming and hawing and chewing at her nails and gritting her teeth. And, I mean, it's 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 a full one-woman production in the corner.
0: Because she's like, if he doesn't win, we don't get married. Our
1: life is ruined.
0: <laughs> and I, I just don't know how I'm going to handle that. Um, so, he ends up sending her out because she is a hot fucking mess. Yeah. And... He comes back in later, much later. She's passed out on the couch waiting for him. And they get kind of like into a little snapping argument and he calls her Sadie.
1: <laughs>
0: and it makes her stop dead in her tracks. Brilliant.
1: The Cause he's like is off really the cuff. Good. He's like,
0: all right, Sadie, calm down. You know, whatever. Yeah. Brilliant. And he, the money that this guy fucking made Just pouring out of his jacket left, right, and sideways, and then he pulls out a check. Yeah. So, not only all of that cash, but holy check, Batman.
1: Yeah, he cleaned them out and then some.
0: Yeah. They do indeed get married. We get the number Sadie Sadie. Massive fucking ring on her finger.
1: Holy shit, what a rock.
0: She's like laying up in bed, like looking at this giant fucking ring she's in it's this
1: enormous pink
0: like nightgown with a pink duster I <laughs> fucking want this nightgown and duster
1: I'll make it for you
0: brilliant thank you Um, and she's like writing a letter to her mom telling her that she's married and this that the other thing and then we go through a pretty rapid time right? yeah
1: there's a, During there's this a number. sort of homemaking montage
0: yeah because he buys them a house which is massive it's a mansion yeah um And then, you know, it's like her decorating it and her hosting parties. And one of the things was like a luncheon and Ziegfeld and a few of the chorus girls were there for that. Which I loved that that was included because then she didn't...
1: I do too. She
0: didn't ruin that relationship entirely.
1: Right. She's still, you know, friends with these people now. She's she's their peer. Right. I really love the domestic montage. I think it's so cute. And then whiz-bang-boom at the end.
0: She's pregnant and then she has baby. So this is definitely, like, time that has right. passed. Right,
1: we're, again, we're moving quickly and covering a lot of time.
0: Nick uh, is there looking at the baby, and Fanny always brings up with her kid, like, isn't she gorgeous? It Doesn't she? She looks just like you, thank God. And I'm like, stop with the fucking ugly comments about yourself. <laughs> I'm going to come through this TV back into 19, 1968. Yeah, and, just and again, fight. I
1: know it's like a huge part of, this, of the plot of the story. I but like, know,
0: but I just... It's such
1: garbage. Anyway. Rubbish. Rubbish, I say.
0: Rubbish. So, uh, Nick pulls out a string of pearls to give to his baby.
1: Yeah, he's bought the baby a string of pearls. Her very first string of pearls.
0: Because, and he's like... She's like, she can't wear this for a long time. And he's like, yeah, but think of the confidence it's going to give her knowing that she has this mm-hmm. as she gets older. Yeah. And, and maybe f- she'll let you borrow <laughs> borrow it uh, in, in the meantime.
1: And Fanny grabs them and rubs, against, rubs them against her teeth.
0: Yeah, what the hell is that about?
1: So it's a trick to see if pearls are real or fabricated. Uh, because a, a real pearl, like from a clam in the sea, um, will have like a grit to it because they're made imp- imperfectly in nature um, from sand.
0: Oh, that would make sense.
1: Yeah, so Im- imperfect pearls are r- genuine pearls and they ha- always have a bit of texture to them. So if you rub them against your teeth, they'll feel like like sandpaper or you'll feel the grit, as opposed to fake pearls will feel really smooth and clean because they're usually made of like plastic, glass, ceramic, acetate, like whatever it is. Um, at the time they would have been probably, probably glass or, um, or ceramic, which is how you tell the difference. So fake pearls are smooth and uh, genuine pearls have a grit.
0: Genius.
1: I know, Isn't that clever?
0: I love it. So Fanny is back at it in the theater training. Um, her hair is chopped off.
1: Yeah. It's gone.
0: Nick has come back um, after being gone for several months uh, out looking for oil.
1: And he failed.
0: And he failed. So he's talking with Fanny and he, she's like, all right, so um, how it didn't go well he's like, oh my God, am I losing my poker face? She's like, only to me, dear. <laughs> and it turns out he lost the house. Yikes. Yeah. So she's like, but without getting mad at him, without anything, she's like, you know, I'm having, I'm hating having to schlep from here all the way to the theater. When he's like, why don't we get an apartment then? And that's kind of their way of like talking about it without talking about it sure. kind of deal. Um. So they do that. They get in an apartment, and he ends up at his friend's gambling club, uh, Bronca. And he's talking to him, and he's like, my God, everyone's looking at me weird. Does everyone know? And he's like, yeah,
1: well. We all know you're broke as a joke.
0: When, you're, when your wife is who she is and has such a spotlight on her, it's hard for some of that light to not hit you right. and what you're doing. Um, and he's like, maybe you shouldn't be gambling right now and whatnot and he's like no i'm gonna i'm gonna you're not gonna fucking tell me i'm gonna do the thing and he does tonight though is fanny's opening night um from being back from the baby hiatus right
1: right it's her return to the stage so not only is it an opening night it's kind of an important one
0: right and he is playing poker and she We see her talking about, like, is Nikki okay? Has anybody heard from him? I haven't seen him sitting in his reserve seat. Like, what's going on? Someone find him. Um, And it turns out he was playing the poker game this entire time.
1: Yeah. And someone even mentions to him, like, hey, Nikki, shouldn't you be be going? Like, don't you have somewhere to be tonight? And he's like, ah, I'll make it for the second act.
0: Yeah, tell her I'll...
1: Carlo. Carlo also thinks Nikki is being deplorable.
0: Absolutely. You're right. (laughs) You are right, sir. So he doesn't end up making it at all to the show
1: devastating devastating
0: so we do get to see a number from this show and it's called the swan this was also created for the film and it's a swan lake parody number
1: yeah i don't know if fanny bryson swan lake um it's definitely a choice
0: it's a choice i I don't know
1: if it's a choice i would have made
0: i don't i just don't (laughs) know that we needed this number yeah i or shorten it
1: it's good comedy it's great comedy but I just great comedy great camera work um, but
0: this is a part of that second act that's dragging right we, it, yeah we it's, didn't need to see it Yeah, but the camera work here is really cool because it, it comes in and then they like start to do tilts yeah and like doing um, a few shots that way and then retilting and then it eventually like gets up over top of the dancers and then yeah. swings back down in that same fashion which is like a really cool use of camera here
1: ballerinas can be really expensive too as performers. So maybe it was just like they had sunk so much money on the scene that they were like, we're not cutting it.
0: We're using (laughs) it. We paid
1: too much money to make the scene happen. So we're using it.
0: So back home, Nick comes home and Fanny confronts him and is like, what the fuck is your deal? You missed my opening night for a poker game.
1: That's not okay.
0: That's not okay. And I, I didn't know where you were. I didn't know if you were okay. And he then says the fact that, like, a poker game is just as important as an opening night. You're wrong.
1: It is in a broad sense because it is, you're both at work, like, it's both of your jobs. Right. Um, but it is not in the sense that this was an important opening night for your wife's return to the stage, and you told her you were going to be there.
0: Right. This wasn't just another performance. This was a big no, deal. this was
1: kind of an important one, and you could have taken a night off, and you know that. Yeah. You gamble for a living. This isn't like... It's not like you have to punch in.
0: Right. It's... Yeah. So Fanny's mom comes over and ends up talking to her um, like the next day or something like that. And she's... Because Nick is off again. He's off on another adventure trying to find more money.
1: Trying to win money.
0: And her mom gives her a very important reality check and is like, he owes money everywhere and to everyone and he is drowning. And why can't you see that? And Fanny's like, I didn't know. And it genuinely is like, oh my God. I just assume because he handles his business. Like yeah. I don't I don't pay yeah. attention to that. That's not a thing that Nick and I really talk about often.
1: And Fanny makes excuses for him and she's like, No, you don't you just don't understand. Like he's doing fine, he's doing this, he's doing that, and it's everything's gonna be okay. And mom sees right through it and he's like, like, No, honey. Don't ever bullshit your mama.
0: And she I don't have the line written down and I wish I did. Um, but she's like, essentially, right now, you don't he doesn't need you to love him wholeheartedly and blindly he needs your help.
1: Yeah, Carlo, you tell him all about Nick Yarnstein. Such big opinions from the Lord of the Manor today.
0: You're right. <laughs> so Nick is at um a racetrack. With horse. A horse racetrack.
1: A horse track. A
0: horse track. Even. A race
1: horse track with horses where they race.
0: Chalky. <laughs> That's another word that that fits there, right?
1: A jockey? Yeah. I thought you said chalky.
0: Not jockey. A jacky. A jacky.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so he's there and he's won some money and he runs into some guy that is like, Hey, you gonna pay me back? And he's like, this doesn't even cover what I owe you haha he's like well i'll forgive all of that actually if you'll do this thing for me and this guy wants nick to be a front for a bond deal because he has an honest trusting face and is full of charisma and nick's like nope, i'm not gonna do that because obviously this guy is kind of sketchy and he's like well of course you don't want to why would you when you've got fanny bryce as your meal ticket
1: that's fair if I had Fanny Bryce's meal ticket, I also would stop pushing my luck. Yeah, like,
0: and that—I <laughs> pi- mean—that pisses him off, and he grabs him and shoves him up against the wall, and he's like, "Don't talk about my fucking wife like
1: that." But also, which is also fair.
0: Which is also fair, but also, it's definitely coming from a place of
1: resentment and anger.
0: Yeah, and ego. Yeah, yeah. So Nick comes home, and the money that he won, he tries to pay. Uh, pay the maid and he's like hey so i'm so sorry you've been so patient you and cook um
1: here's the money we owe you for
0: two for the last two months because they didn't right and she's like oh no no, no. you already
1: paid me i'm already paid
0: i'm already paid i got paid um two back months and then three months in advance for the inconvenience and he gets pissed and he's like i didn't pay you
1: Ms. Bryce did. Ms. Bryce, Ms. Bryce did. Ms. Bryce paid you as what which, he says.
0: He doesn't say Mrs. Arnstein. He says Miss Bryce, which I which think is... Which is a big deal. Yeah. Because I think to him, there's two different people. I think there's Miss Bryce, and I think there's his
1: wife, Fanny. Yeah. It, it's, it's one little line, and it says so much. Yeah.
0: Uh, oof. Tom uh, Branca from the Poker Place, he shows up, and he's like, hey, I have an offer for you. Um, this place is going over really well we want to open up a second location and we want you to run it um and he's like all right well what's the buy-in
1: right great what what's what's my contribution because he's
0: like i don't know if i'm going to be able to come up with the money for the buy-in and he's like oh there's no buy-in
1: we want you to do it for free for no money
0: and he's like that's you're offering me a partnership and portions of of what the house makes and my and I have a job.
1: Yeah. And, and For no money. In this conversation, Fanny has kind of like low-key invited herself and sat down well, and been like, like oh, No, I couldn't possibly. I'll just take my drink and go. And they're like, no, uh, you, Fanny, no, come sit, sit with come us. On. And she's like, well, if you insist.
0: <laughs> yeah. And slowly but surely, um, he kind of... Nick figures out that Fanny is the one who put up his 50000
1: Right. She put up the share for him to be in, in on the project.
0: And... He is and talked Tom into it, and Nikki he's is curious. And Tom's like, This genuinely is a really good idea. It's right, not just a great because, opportunity, it's not just because of you know, this is something that we wanted to do, we just didn't have someone that had the extra capital to make it happen. Yeah, and you genuinely would be good at this job.
1: Yeah, everyone's I think you all should for take it. it. And uh,
0: he's like, No, I can't do it.
1: Nikki don't stand on your pride in this moment the thing about getting married is you're meant to have a partnership moving forward so who cares if Fanny puts up the money or if you put up the money if it's to get you back on your feet so you as a couple can continue to be together and and live the life you want to live together that's what you should do Yeah. don't stand on your pride and make it about that don't, don't make it about, you know, belittling her as a, as a person. Like she has her success and you have yours and you can share in that.
0: And you still, and you get to still do the thing that you always wanted. It's not like she's like, you should right. go she's out not, and get a job as a banker. She's or, you not know, relegating
1: whatever. you to a, like a life as a house husband or anything like that. Like she's supporting you to do what you want to keep doing in the same way that you supported her. Right. So it should be. It should be this give and take the but 50, it's 50, 50, patriarchal the 50 Yeah, but it's, yeah, but it's of, not for Nikki and he stands on his pride and he yeah. gets really upset about it. Yeah.
0: So they get into an argument and she's like, I'm sorry. I know I overstepped my bounds, you know, whatever. And then she ends up needing to leave to go to the theater. Nick makes a really quick decision and calls the guy with the bond offer. The underscoring here is don't rain on my parade.
1: Oh, such in effective the That's how you use a reprise. That
0: is brilliant.
1: It's so clever because it means something brand new now. Yeah. That's how you should use a reprise.
0: Yeah. It's it mm, stunning. Yeah. And from here though, so Fanny is doing the show, she comes back and is in her dressing room, and Zigfield and Eddie end up meeting her back in the dressing room.
1: And they're like, hey.
0: And he's like, hey, we gotta tell you something about Nick. Uh he's in trouble he had was the front um guy for a phony bond deal and has taken a fall with it uh Tom Branca got him the best criminal attorney there is and she's like criminal yeah this is a yeah, criminal, criminal act babe. Like, he's this going is going yeah this is illegal um and his attorney um, says to give yourself up and we'll get this worked out. We'll work out a deal. We'll figure something out. Mm-hmm. We'll say that you didn't actually know that this sure. was illegal. Yeah. You know, we'll whatever. figure
1: it out. We'll get you We'll get you off.
0: So Fanny leaves.
1: Right. So they tell her there's going to be a gaggle of reporters. They're going to want your your take on this. Why don't
0: you come through this other back way right. through the theater? Come out to my
1: office. We'll take you out the back door. No one has to see you leave. And she's like, no, I can do this. First of all, she leaves the theater in costume.
0: I knew you were gonna say something. About it.
1: That's unacceptable. She just like wraps a like wraps a coat around herself and and takes off because at, in costume. At
0: first, it made sense to me because she's that's the only thing she's focused on. She's like, um, no, I I have to go. I have to go to my husband. I have to da 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 whatever. At first, it made sense if she was just gonna go straight to straight to the jail, but they were like, don't see him right now. He doesn't want to see you because he's ashamed.
1: Right, he's going through some stuff of his of his own, and he he asked not to see you. Right, actually, specifically, and but I get
0: the motivation behind it, but also sure. But, but
1: after that beat, like that you could you should not have left your, the theater in costume.
0: Don't leave the theater in your costume. Don't do it. I'm Don't mad do at you it. for it. Um, um,
1: but then she gets out outside and um, immediately. Reporters descend upon her. They start asking her a million questions, and they address her as Mrs. Bryce. And the very first thing she says before she says anything to any of them, the very first thing she does is correct them and say, "Arnstein, Mrs. Arnstein." Yeah, it's the very first thing she does, and I think that speaks volumes. Yeah. it's, it's just all these little things, but we're getting so much out of all of them. The writing is so good.
0: It's, I mean, it's so good, it's and just she
1: meaningful, punchy in the gut writing.
0: Yeah. Um, she heads home and now it's his day in court and he's getting charged with embezzlement and his attorney is like, Hey, can we like postpone this? Because I literally just
1: I just met my client yesterday.
0: So we need more time, which is a completely actual valid thing to ask
1: for. Absolutely. In the court. Completely well, reasonable, but Nikki Jumps right into it and is He literally stands up
0: and he's like, I actually plead guilty.
1: I did it. I'm going to jail.
0: And he gets sentenced to two years. On the spot. This pisses me off because I'm like, listen. The one thing that is not talked about really ever again is the fact that these two have a kid. Yeah. So you chose, because of your pride and whatever the fuck else, to ruin... All of that to ruin the fact that like you're not gonna now see your kid probably for two years.
1: Right. And a reminder that this is based on real events in real people's lives. Right. Right. Obviously it's written up and fluffed up and there are scenes and musical numbers and stuff between that are dramatized, but like these are the real events of their life. Like this actually happened to them. Yeah. That's rough. Yeah. Don't put don't put kids in the middle of your adult squabbles. Yeah. That sucks.
0: So uh Nikki and Fanny get a chance to talk before he has to like actually go in and um, Nick's like Fanny, I want you to divorce me. I don't want this to be attached to you. Yeah. Um, I think that we this just we need to be done um, because he says that I can't win a race against you.
1: Yeah, I mean again, the and writing, I can't and
0: I can't keep trying.
1: The writing in this confrontation is riveting.
0: And it's like you're not running a race against her you're running this race with her
1: but but that's not
0: but that's not his view
1: no it's not what he went in on a marriage for it's just not his view of the world no as she is so magnificent in this series of scenes from like the reporters to the courtroom to the confrontation with him at the at the courthouse they're in a room together having this argument and you can tell like as a as a character as an actress she's so incredibly sad Mm-hmm. but she still manages to work in these comedy beats and this uh, this just heartbreaking sincerity i mean she's so good and we've seen her in, up into this point in this movie just like knocking out punchlines and singing the daylights out of numbers and and she she does all of this very well but then we have these insanely profound moments with her of vulnerability and uh, and they're just they're just riveting yeah. I mean, they're just so crazy. There's a moment in this argument. I think. Uh, I think it's when she's confronting Nikki before he goes to jail, and she says something, and she turns to look out a window, and we get like another really excellent profile shot of her. And first of all, it's great cinema. It's a great camera shot. Second of all, it's these profile shots are important to remark on because early in her career, Barbara Streisand was called out for the bridge of her nose as a Jewish woman, the hook of her nose was a point of contention, and she was told to change it. And she didn't. She stuck by that, and it's something she stuck by her entire career. And um, and these profile shots accentuate that, capture that. Um, so not only are they really, really good use of camera and use of our medium here in film, but they're also integral to her as an actress and the legacy that she was building for herself. Um, they're just i mean it's just poetic yeah it's incredible stuff
0: um so he ends up cuz he's like i want you to divorce. so she says that she's like how about we wait how about we wait and if you still feel the same exact way when you're out right. we'll have that discussion then if
1: you still have these feelings in 2 years when you get out of jail we'll go through with it but i want i want to stay with you i want to get through this with you and i'm we're going to we're going to be together until then yeah at the very end of that confrontation he leaves and she says bye nick oh yeah crushed and this is and after he... she's made this agreement with him and you it's just like she's begging him to try and make this work and the minute he leaves it's it's already over yeah she's already like the door shuts and she you can f- that's what that line is for her
0: yeah and it, she, he says in, in here, like right before that, calls her a funny girl.
1: Oh, and she's got this little like kind of snap jazz, jazz hand moment that she does.
0: Yeah. it's like Sort a of light. like
1: clap and dazzle. Yeah. Again, these like, they're comedy beats and, and she keeps the timing so tight and, and it's just an effortless wit.
0: Yeah. And then she starts into the song Funny Girl, which was created for the film. And I did not know that.
1: I it's in the revival.
0: Oh, okay.
1: It's how they end the show. Um I thought it was in the original musical. Maybe it's not. I didn't, or maybe they rewrote it for the Maybe for the film. my
0: research said that they wrote this for the film which I was like, why wouldn't they write a title song for the show? Yeah. So I don't I whatever. Anyway, who knows? But it is oh my god, she's like staring out this window and she's sobbing and 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 singing and then it kind of takes that, and that's what shifts back into the frame story, is this song. Yes. Oh! And she's still sitting in the, in the audience. and where, she, we,
1: where we met her at the top, yeah. yeah. And that so, gorgeous cheetah leopard, whatever it is.
0: Um, And she heads back to her dressing room because Zigfield is there to talk to her. And they're having a conversation because today is the day that Nikki is getting out.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And that's why she was in such a mood in, in the beginning, we find. And right. she's like, I, I still don't know what's going to happen. And Zig feels like, well, we're here for you, you know. And she's like, if I, if he needs me to, I will leave the theater.
1: I'll have to go if that's what he asks me to do.
0: And Zig feels like, I would hate that, but I understand. But I get it. So he leaves her for her to get ready. And we get this in the very beginning when I had said that like she stops by a mirror and then the camera shifts to see what she sees and happens again. You get another
1: one of those killer shots. She's in her
0: dressing room and you can see her in the mirror, but you can see that she sees someone. Mm -hmm. And then without anything else moving or changing, the camera is the thing that moves. Yeah, It's such, I really, really enjoy that shot. They're
1: showing off at this point. I mean, it's...
0: it's yeah. And, um, There's it's Nick, Nikki is there.
1: He got out and came directly to her. Yeah, which is so romantic.
0: Yeah, and they have a have a conversation, and he's like, "I've really been thinking about this every day for the past 18 months." She's like, "That's funny because I didn't think about any of this at all until today, and and kind of until right now." And then they decide it does need to be done. Had a great run, and it needs to be done. Yeah. Um, which leads into the song My Man. She comes out on stage and it's all black Ugh. except for a single spotlight on her and she's
1: wearing black. So She's wearing this gorgeous black velvet thing and it does the same thing that black velvet does in White Christmas where it kind of sucks up light. Mm-hmm. And so you really, I mean, it's just her, her face in this sea of darkness.
0: And so My Man is a song that the real life fanny bryce made famous this is the last number that they shot for this movie
1: oh my god
0: and they did a few takes um but omar sharif was sitting in the audience to help her like convey this message and he she was singing this song to him
1: that is absolutely heartbreaking devastating
0: and just the fucking pipes. I mean, it's Barbara Streisand, but I sob through this
1: whole number every woman. time.
0: Oh, just the, the tears that are coming out. Oh. Oh my god. Oh my god. And it just it's sobbing. Oh. 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 It's such a moment. <laughs> um Yeah. I... Fun fact
1: this song is not included in the musical. No. No, not in the revival at least.
0: Well, because, okay, to me, this thing, right, is I know that this story is about her. Right. But I feel like, especially ending it with my man, I don't know. There's something that, to me, it feels like the focus is too much on her relationships with, like, relationship with Nikki and not about her as a performer and her as, like, a.
1: Sure. A por- you know so what I less mean? So it's less about her life and more about the men in her life? Yeah. Sure. I can I, see I, that I don't critique. Know. I. I think um, I think what's important to rem- to know about her story is that we're- Funny Girl is the story of Fanny Bryce and her rise to stardom and how she navigated the theater um, and how the men around her affected that journey. Right. Right. And that's from everybody from Keeney to Ziegfeld to Nicky. The story is kind of. Marked by these various men in her life who affected her journey, and how she navigated around them, yeah, or, or or through them or with them or you know whatever it may be, but but the story is really about a woman who didn't meet a convention or a standard that was inescapable at a time, and how she got around it and how she made something of herself, um, particularly as a young Jewish woman in the industry. And unfortunately, that means that we do have to talk about and focus on those men. Right. Um, I love My Man because for for me, it encapsulates her journey and how, how she viewed the theater and the art that she was making. And even though in the end, she did make the healthy choice and they didn't continue to have a relationship and she did choose the theater and she stayed on stage. It, to me, highlights the importance of that relationship to her. Yeah. So, so yeah, it does in ultimately become a little bit about the men around her and less about her, but it is her story. I mean, the only thing these men have anything in common is, is her. Is her. So. Yeah. What a joy. What a treasure. What a gem. What
0: a joy.
1: I Uh, love Funny Girl. Did you know that there's a sequel?
0: Yeah, isn't it like Funny Lady or something? Funny
1: Lady, and it's penned by the same group of people. Huh. Yeah. So I feel like we should explore that at some point. I've never seen Funny Lady. I don't know anything about it. I don't know what it's about. I don't know any of the music from it. Well, all right, put it on the list. Yeah, we'll have to explore Funny Lady someday. Um, And maybe we should watch it, like, for funsies. Yeah,
0: probably watch it for funsies
1: It's not one we've ever heard of to be, like, a great success. So that, to me, indicates after the year we've had (laughs) that maybe we just look it up on our own. You're right. Um, Well, should we rate Funny Girl? Uh, Yeah. All right. What do you think? I'm inclined to give it, like, a 4 or
0: a 4.5. I was thinking a 4. That's where I was kind of landing. It just...
1: I'm trying to trying to get outside of like my personal taste level because as on on a personal level i would give this a four pretty easily because i i like it i think it's good um it's a little slow and not all the music is super memorable so i would give it like a four on like a uh, for my personal taste but like technically speaking i think it's probably closer to a 4.5
0: maybe yeah probably i just
1: it's got some pacing issues in the second act, or the third act, I guess really, yeah, like film, at the but...
0: yeah, at the very end, um, and we added music
1: the from the musical to the movie, which I love.
0: I'm glad it... that they added in a couple numbers um that the real life Annie Bryce made sure. popular.
1: I think that's a great addition, especially guess... considering the legacy and why this project was started and and you know the the whirlwind it went through to get to the stage right
0: I just feel like the Swan song was, like, unnecessary.
1: That's true. And especially yeah, if yeah. it's
0: in the second act and we're already having pacing issues. Yeah. There's that, um... The ish singing on Omar Sharif
1: Yeah, this. Oh, that's true. He doesn't really hold his own. I
0: know he only sings one number, but it...
1: <sighs> but it's pretty pretty lukewarm.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I don't know, which is...
1: But we also have incredible camera work. We have that amazing right. shot on the boat.
0: Right. So probably a four point five then. I think that's fair. I could do a four point five. That's fine. Let's do that's, a four point five. A four point five.
1: Uh, shall we give it the biddy test? The BD, the Benny Drake. Pass, fail. Pass. pass. Are
0: you fucking me? If literally, <laughs> <laughs> like I.
1: I mean, who really, s- who really sings in this aside from Fanny?
0: Hardly anyone.
1: And it's Barbara fucking Strife's hands. So, like, what are you gonna do? do you tell do? Barbara that she didn't do good enough? Are you gonna look her in the eye? No. I'm not.
0: No, not me. Couldn't not be here. Me. No. No.
1: No, ma'am. So, that's a 4.5 and a pass. Yeah. That's pretty good. I feel like we're rounding out the end of your birthday month really strongly.
0: You know, I appreciate that. Yeah. Um, strongly and with strong women.
1: I like that for us. Uh, I like it. Uh, a fortune cookie f- to go? Or would you, I mean, have, have we been doing birthday cake for the whole month?
0: No. Just
1: last Just week. Just my birthday week. Okay. How about some, you want some leftover cake?
0: Leftover cake? <laughs> Why don't you give me a scoop of ice cream?
1: Sure. Um, so this quote is from the Beanie Feldstein. <gasps> and the quote Benny is... Beanie for Beanie. Beanie for Beanie.
0: I'm I'm for her. She's for you. Oh. Wow. Wow. <laughs>
1: I'm honored. <laughs> the quote is, I have this saying, they either want the bean or they don't want the bean. I just am my own thing. It works or it doesn't work.
0: God, fuck if that is <laughs> They either want the bin or, or they, they don't, don't want the bin. <laughs>
1: it's, That's true. It's such a Fanny Bryce sentimentality. Yeah. That she was either like, hey, either, either I'm going to do it my way and you're going to like it or I'm going to do it my way and you're going to hate it. But either way, I'm doing it my way. And I feel like that's very in the spirit of Fanny Bryce. I feel like it's very in the spirit of Barbara Streisand mm, that she mm-hmm. often came in on projects and was like, "What if we do it this way?" And by "what if," I mean we're gonna, because that's how I want it to be. Yeah. And if you disagree, you can argue with me, but I have all these. I have a list of reasons why I think it should be this way, and I'm right.
0: Yeah, and she definitely has vision.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. I personally love working with actors who have a vision. Um, I. Don't love working with actors who are uh, demanding and capable of having a conversation with another designer. And I've worked with, I think, only maybe like two in the past 15 years who have really been like, no, this is how I want it. And I wish you would do it this way and stop talking to me. Mm -hmm. Um, But those people don't last very long. They don't usually stick around in the industry for for much time at all. So um, that was my quote. I I love it because it's just, it's beanie- It's Barbara. It's Fanny. They're all the same person. I love it. I love it. I love it. Where can they find us?
0: All right. So I know we introduced this last week. I'm going to tell you kids again. Podvine, go on there. Follow us. Leave a comment. Rate us five stars. So that way we can apply to be
1: a featured podcast. That'd be really cool. It'd be really cool. We would love... To expand the platform. Yeah. We want to reach more people. Yeah. Share the good word.
0: Yeah. Um, and you guys can also um follow us on Instagram and TikTok. Um, email us at backstagebiddies at gmail.com with your listener requests if you rate us five stars, all of that happy jazz. We love to hear from you and how you think we're doing. We're gonna unless be you ha-
1: unless you have a negative opinion then then we then I, I don't wanna know.
0: No. <laughs> no. Constructive criticism?
1: Always, always, always helpful. welcome. You're gonna be always a shitbag.
0: You probably aren't listening to this anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah.
1: Where can they find you?
0: You guys can find me on Instagram and TikTok at Binny Biddy. Are you gonna give the people your socials? You or? can find
1: me on Twitter. I'm there less and less. You can find me on Tumblr. I haven't really used it yet. Um, I was on Hive for a second, but then they like updated their platform, and now my profile's gone. So I guess don't find me there. Um, TikTok. Oh, I'm on TikTok. You're on TikTok. I think TikTok might be my most active social media right now. I mean, I,
0: you make try videos.
1: I do. I do try videos sometimes, where we try yeah. novelty candies and weird foods.
0: I know we talked about that before, but you know, it, th- that's a thing.
1: Yeah. Sometimes I sing on there. It's probably my most active social media right now. You can find me on TikTok. Drake underscore leverance. That's Drake underscore L-E-W-E-R-E-N-Z as in zebra. Is that it? Yeah. What a fun birthday month.
0: Oh my goodness. What a way to round it out, kids.
1: Yeah. Now I have to start devising mine again.
0: Oh my God.
1: I promise I won't make you watch anything stupid this time.
0: All right. I, I th- actually
1: have, a, I think I have an idea of what I want to do for my birthday and I think we're, I think we're going to like it.
0: I uh, can't say the same for my next birthday month <gasps> because I do like forcing you to do things.
1: You're going to make me watch more Tim Burton garbage?
0: Yeah. God. No, nah, probably not. Well, good. I don't think we need it.
1: Well, I've got a year to prep myself, so yeah. I suppose if I have to, I have to. We'll see. Okay. Well, oh, we love you.
0: All right, folks. Be kind to yourselves. I haven't said that in a while, but do, do, do be kind. Do be kind to yourself
1: and those around you. Okay. Love you. Um, bye. bye. <laughs>